welcome to Cheap Date. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and we're on Heritage Radio Station Network <laughs> here at Roberta's Pizza. It's Monday, November 18th. Sorry, 16th. I'm getting everything wrong today. Most of it, at least. Most of it. Well, here. So we're brought to you today by TechSurf, and you can call in today at 718-497-2128 or check out the website, heritageradionetwork.com. Um, so today I thought uh, we'd further the discussion on aphrodisiac foods we are having a couple of weeks ago with uh, Yolanda Shoshana and Matt Timms and bring in some of the best and brightest experts on the subject, hopefully. Um, it turns out they had some differing thoughts about the existence of, of aphrodisiacs, but we'll get that to that in just a sec. But um, I wanted to introduce who these folks are. And if I may attempt to describe everything you do, Rachel... Um, this is Rachel Kramer Bussell. 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 I can't get anything right today. Anyway, so Rachel, let me let me just try. You edit the best American erotica books. Uh, no, um, best sex er- writing. Erotic, best sex writing. Best sex writing books. Sorry, okay. sorry. That's the that's the better anthology. I'm just kidding. You also edited an anthology of sex writing called Spanked. Yes. Focused around spanking. And one called Sex and Candy, which is about candy. Oh my gosh, perfect. Sex. Candy. Okay, so then you also write a blog along with two other writers called Cupcakes, Cupcakes Take the Cake. It is the cupcake blog, the quintessential okay. one. And you also write freelance for, I don't know how many things, thefrisky.com, is that and one? The, yeah. Okay, Nerve. Not, no. And the Daily oh, Beast. It's okay. The Daily Beast. <laughs> I'm just going to let you keep going so I can... Maybe I should let you turn no, no. over. And, and I run a reading series called In the Flesh Reading Series, which you can find out at inthefleshreadingseries.com. There's one this Thursday, and Kathy's reading in January, Sex and Food Night. It, I am. It is the quintessential sex and food reading night, I think, in the city. I think that's And it's safe taking place at Happy Endings. Yes. Very appropriately titled bar. Michael, you find that? <laughs> I like your silent laughter. Well, I just you can laugh. I, I, I'll laugh when I need to laugh. I, I, at the moment, I was just in, you were enjoying just the spectatorness. A yeah, little heart attack there. All since, right. since I hadn't been introduced yet, I didn't know if I technically sorry. needed to, yeah, to oh, exist oh, on, on my. Okay, sorry. No, no, nothing to be sorry about. You were. Before. Okay, so we have a sex food writing expert, and we also have a cooking expert, uh, culinary whiz kid. Not really kid. He has so much older than you. Yeah. You, yeah. He does have a beard and mustachio. So um, this is Michael Serino. Thanks so much for being here today. Pleasure to meet you. Great. So you also have a supper club called A Razor Shiny Knife, which is where you do your culinary feats. Um, This is, can you tell us a little bit about how it works? What is a supper club? Do you get that a lot? What what we do is we put together these culinary events that focus on uh, three individual bits. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up, I come from a large Italian family, and we were used to cooking together. You know, I don't have, like, a TV room in my house. We just have a very big kitchen. So all our friends and family used to get together and participate in the process. So about two years ago, me and a, a very good friend of mine named Danielle started doing this similar type of thing, where we'd invite people over. Instead of just serving them food, we'd cook with them. So, Sunday night dinners. Sunday night yeah. dinners, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, we'd get together, play bocce, get drunk, and then eventually you need to eat, and a whole bunch of us would get together and cook into the wee hours of the evening. And we realized that there was a big bit of this missing in, in the New York City food scene and just, I guess, in cooking in general. So we started inviting people we didn't know over to cook and participate in that process. And we discovered that not only is the cooking process really great for socializing, but it's also very 
a good way for learning things, you know, specifically food, but also from the guests. So we used it as an excuse to, to kind of get interesting people in a room together, teach them how to make something. Steal like, their tricks. Yeah, make pasta or something. Be like, oh. Steal you, their I'm, grandmother's pasta tricks. Or, you know, learn something about like accounting. It seems silly, but like, you <laughs> know, like you're talking about making pasta and you're making pasta and you're like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, I'm a financial analyst and I, uh, I work with uh, oil futures or something. Oh, that's great. But on the side, I, I, I make <laughs> guitars. Oh, I play guitar. And then all of a sudden you're talking about his passion and her passion and two people are starting to connect on something that's a little bit more interesting than what they do for a daily basis or what they more to, to what they love and it's kind of opened up by this process of cooking and then recently we got to the to a, a level of doing that well enough where we could have people socialize and learn um, where we wanted to make things theatrical happen as well and we do all sorts of interesting types of events it's totally true and as as far as those conversations that's that's one aspect of it I hadn't really thought about too much. Um, I definitely know that I've learned pretty much everything I know about cooking from cooking with you guys, Razor Shiny Knife, and, and the like experience, you know, just from cooking with people rather than sitting in a classroom or reading a book. Exactly. Is where it happens. But um, I, I think the last time I went to to cook at your place with a bunch of people, um, we were making meatballs for the meatball, the great meatball contest in the city. And there's some guy that we were talking for a while and he happened to, his wife worked at the Rachel Ray show. Right. Totally like, you know, same, uh, same, uh, fields we were talking about. Um, cause I, I was like, Oh, I happen to be writing this book about food. And he's like, Oh, my wife, you know, works on TV and the Rachel Ray show. And then I learned this funny fact that, uh, Rachel Ray is crazy about her dog and she has her dog's she lets dogs run around the office like his wife's dog can hang out on a food show. And I thought that was really neat to yeah. learn. And you see that that's the kind of thing like these are, there's all these connections between human beings that I personally really enjoy. And one of the best ways to do that is through something that's really open socially. And cooking happens to be something that, that can connect. You know, you might like country music. You like might like hip hop, but pretty much everybody likes food. You know, arts can be different. Reading can be different. Some people are conservative. Some people are liberal. But you get people around, and if it's tasty, it's generally going to be tasty. So you can kind of work around that whole thing and kind of find fun and interesting bits that way to connect with people. It's amazing because this is something that used to happen quite a lot, and you found that to be a missing aspect in New York City. You certainly don't get that to that extent in a restaurant unless you happen to be in cahoots with the kitchen staff and can run around, <laughs> run amok. Which is, which is very <laughs> so, tough, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, a lot of people were telling me when I did this no eating out for two years, they were like, how did you socialize? How did you hang out? How did you go on dates? You know, so this is this is one of the fun things about it. Dating, um, dating is tough, though, by not going out at all. Hey, haven't people <laughs> gone to your supper club dinners on a date before? Do you notice this happening? I, a couple, you know. I've I mean, seen this. It, yeah, it, it's. Um, I, we had one guy who, you know, was, had had been um, really focused on this one girl for a very long time, I guess, and this was his way of kind of broaching the whole. You know, oh. we should try to uh, make this a little bit more serious situation, and that was that was nice. He they ended up staying for the twenty four hour dinner. Ended up staying like for eighteen hours that night, going home wow. for yeah. going home for a couple hours, and then coming back for breakfast. So I could only oh my gosh. hopefully wow. hopefully they had a great time. Hot with date, themselves. yeah, hot date, exactly. And That's more a intimate long date. too. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had they had been seeing each other for a while at that point, but I think he was hoping to make it more yeah. of a commitment thing, and this was his way of being really impressive with interesting bits to do. I don't know. I mean, again, it was I was cooking a lot of food at the time, and I was only catching little snippets Would you, of were you making some aphrodisiac food at the time I, <laughs> yes <laughs> is that what happened it, yeah exactly i was <laughs> i was able to uh catapult their uh their love for each other into the into the next morning by uh serving them oysters and oh, chocolate oh, okay and candied uh 
That's always good. Candy deer hearts or something like that. Candy deer hearts. It's equally yeah. as oh, ridiculous hearts. as oysters. I never yeah. thought of that. Hearts is an aphrodisiac. No. Yeah, no. Actually, nothing okay. is an aphrodisiac. Not, yeah. Is what I was saying before, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, but if, if there were, if there were, I mean, I guess a lot of the aphrodisiacs that people quote unquote think are aphrodisiacs, um, either resemble, um, uh, sex organs or have something to do with the process of love. So oysters, right. Um, asparagus. That's one we went into. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cultures that just like eating penises. Yeah. You know, we're, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, there like, happen to be pasta shapes like male genitalia. Apparently. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's like. But that's that's very kind of that's Eric. That's kind of old. Bachelorette party, like I don't know. It seems kind. You'd of... think so, but there, it's actually a traditional. There's traditional shapes. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Where the chefs were wow. probably like hee hee. Yeah, not, not the and ones that just look like a little. Penis no, not oh. not like, like you. You go to Kirsten yeah. Street and pick up some <laughs> pasta. <laughs> which is which is extreme, extremely bachelorette one. party. And then you uh, could put it in a creamy Alfredo. <laughs> now you're just getting silly. I know. Sorry. That was terrible. Um, so, so wait, what when is your next event? The, the next dinner that we're doing is uh, actually an Italian dinner. Um, we're doing a series of three dinners. Um, uh, since I come from a very large Italian family, we always did Christmas Eve together, which is a feast of seven fishes, right? Um, and it is? Yes, technically, uh, for Christmas. Italians. Christmas Eve. Seven fishes. Yes, yeah. So what we're doing is on um, December 10th, um, my friend uh, Jonathan and... Uh, and Brian have a, a, a wine club called the Noble Rot, and they're going to be doing an Italian wine seminar. And we're going to be serving some Italian snacks with that. That's the tenth. Uh, the eleventh, we're doing Christmas Eve, uh, which Ooh. is which is going to be um, a Friday night. It's going to be a seven, it's. I think it's going to end up being nine courses, but we're doing the Feast of the Seven Fishes. So this is going to be um, traditionally inspired Italian food, but all seafood. Um, and then on Saturday, we're doing Christmas Day, which is going to be much more traditional kind of laid back meal. There's going to be a goose. There's going to be pasta. There's going to be meat sauce. Um, and everything's going to be very, uh, very Italian oriented in those three days. Um, and then Jonathan, I believe, is going to be doing a performance, a one man performance of a Christmas carol both nights. Um, oh, wow. I want to go. Johnny Cigar. Johnny Cigar. He's the best. Wow. But I wouldn't say that to him personally because I think it might... <laughs> inflate his ego a little bit yeah but i mean he's he's decent at least we could say that i mean he's better than average i will say he's quite he's quite good as a performer so so okay so we got feast of seven fishes coming up what's your we are having a five well this is not about christmas but we're having a five-year blog anniversary party on december 3rd at the roger smith hotel for cupcakes take the cake and uh, we're in the process of asking like every bakery in town and in New Jersey because people apparently wow. come from New Jersey to bring us cupcakes as they did on Saturday at our meetup um, to come to Roger Smith Hotel and bring us cupcakes. So this could quite possibly... We're going to have like probably hundreds of cupcakes. Yeah, I was going to say this could be the largest cupcake gathering in quite yeah, a while. Yeah, we're, we're going to be prepared it's... this year because we did one last year and like... Um, we kind of ran out of cupcakes and we had to get more and people were like, where are the cupcakes? And they got kind of hostile and I was like, okay, Ooh. people. So we're going to RSVP are... only so that we know how many people are coming so we can be ready. Cupcakes are not something you should get aggressive about. Yeah, sometimes people get like <laughs> snotty and I'm like, this is my happy place. This is How my, many like, cupcakes do you need to eat? Not stressful, How many can, should you eat in one sitting? Yeah. I guess it really just depends on how big they are, mm. right? I yeah, well, I can well, say like still, one like, time I ate hmm, like five cupcakes once and it was, it was too many. That's like okay over a night, but like I go, it was like my dinner, but it was it's it was like too two much. slices of cake. But yeah. it was no cupcakes are big. It, 
it was probably more than two slices. Well, of nowadays cake, I, I see mini cupcakes more so than often. Minis are good. I mean, yeah, more so than that. Now, if you work on but, the muffin kind of side of things, I know a corn muffin can have an unconscionable amount of calories. I to actually it. asked someone the other day. I was like, why do muffins have like five, six more hundred calories? Like, that's a lot of calories. Is it the density? I, I actually I didn't get an answer. I just they were like, oh, they're big and they're like. I don't know, butter. I'm going to conclude that cupcakes are not typically an aphrodisiac food. <laughs> well, but, uh, <laughs> the calorie, you know, just well, the, but you could no? like feed it to someone. I mean, I think oh, it depends what the context is. Okay. Like if you bring so, cupcakes to a date. Do you ever, yeah, that's true. That. Do you ever have cupcakes at the, in the flesh nights? We have cupcakes have, every time. And okay. we're having special cupcakes with Ronchy my face ones. on them. Oh, with your face on the, ooh. And my cleavage. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. There we go. That's sexy, is it? No, it's my logo, which is drawn by Molly Crabapple. That is a really um, cool who's logo. A phenomenal artist. I'm, I'm getting special art cupcakes. That is a really great. So, so they're going to paint this image yeah, onto each cupcake. I don't know how they're going to do it, but... They're not going to make, like, breast cupcakes magic? or butt no, cupcakes? No, or, I didn't no. ask. It's, okay. I just, but I asked them to do that. And, and these chocolate banana ones that are... They look amazing. Wow. And we're having 300 mini cupcakes from Bake My Melissa. So if you don't get a cupcake, that's your problem because, like... There's going to be up. more than enough. You know, people Hit. are like, there weren't enough. I'm like, there were like 200 cupcakes. Come early to In the Flesh. Yes. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. If you want to call in, the number is back on Cheap Date. I'm Kathy Irway. This is Heritage Radio Network. It brought to you today by TechServe. We're at Roberta's Pizza. Um, so today we were talking with Rachel Kramer Bus- Wait, Bustle. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Rachel Kramer Bustle. I keep saying it wrong. People say it wrong all the yeah. time. And they spell it wrong. It's okay. I spell it wrong all the time. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah. There's not like some other one with like slightly, you know, people know. So, so okay. <laughs> Those, those long I was know, trying to say, like, names. yeah, it's no big deal. Okay. So, Rachel Kramer, Bussell. No. <laughs> I got it. You want me to, want, want me to okay. take care of this part for the rest of the afternoon? Yes. Please do. Address all my guests from now on. Michael, you should come on every show, seriously. And, and, and just address your guests for you and then sit yes, quietly yes, for the rest of the evening? Yes, exactly. 
So we're also that guy in the announcer. Corner. Yeah, he's the announcer. <laughs> so, okay, actually, and can you clarify? Because last time we had a great chat about all these aphrodisiac foods, like things that get your heart racing. You know, maybe it's not obliquely, you know, aphrodisiac inspired um, because you could just get, you know, endorphins pumping. Or not endorphins, but, um, you know, heart, blood flow, more, you know, circulating better. But you're saying that there's nothing that is specifically aphrodisiac whatsoever. Well, That's a myth. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as far as as far as I know, there's no mm-hmm. chemical that the human body reacts to in a sexual way. So there's no food and/or uh, scent that, if you were to smell or to eat, would immediately cause you to have sexual desire. There are Across things. Across the board. Yeah, right? just like yeah. like there's no like you know um, there's no pheromones. Pheromones for humans have not been isolated. There might be. Um, but they haven't been isolated yet, uh, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and a lot of the, the the research that I've done on food and aphrodisiacs more leans towards, as you were saying, increase in blood flow, which is essentially what Good. Viagra does. Yeah. Um, and um, what you know, and you know, conjuring images that are and kind of just like a sim- symbolic type thing. So yeah. if you if you look at um, you know, in Chinese culture, there's whale, uh, there's uh, shark fin soups. Um, that in and of itself has nothing to do with blood flow stimulation or anything like that. It's the process of emasculating another animal for the sake of bringing that masculinity into your body. They're eating the penises from rhinos is something that's happened before or um, cows and things of that nature. I mean, it, or bulls. I mean, taking uh, the animal spirit mm-hmm. for your kind of, I yeah. mean, and oysters mm-hmm. look like, um, you know, Female genitalia. Things. Yeah. I mean, like all that type of stuff. It's all kind of more a spiritual kind of metaphorical type thing than an actual physical reaction. So it's all myth. It's all theory. I mean, I don't know if it's myth or theory. What about, what about potions? You know, (laughs) we have all these great, you know, this great legends and history of aphrodisiac potions and, uh, tinctures and who knows smells. What is that? Uh, there's that, that great, um, that great, uh, perfume that they used to sell in the 70s um i can't remember the name of it that had like monkey piss in it and stuff like that but, yeah that was um <laughs> a perfume God. in the 70s yeah i can't remember the name of it uh, spanish fly oh, yeah. <laughs> spanish right. fly is like urine and rotting something right. or other and it, wow. that was a perfume is a weird subject there's the musk is actually whale vomit or so, something vomit i can't remember i think it is there's a, or and you know what's phenomenal about all yeah. that stuff is that each human being has gene receptors that tell it tell each human what they smell and whether or not it's palatable. So like, mm-hmm. there's a specific gene that if it's turned off, um, cilantro is unpalatable to human beings. Um, like, what exactly does unpalatable mean? Like if you smell like, cilantro, you want to kill people. Like whoa. like my friend just hates cilantro so much, but it's a genetic thing. Her body can't process that smell in a palatable sense. Like um, the human yeah. human male musk. And there's another gene on that same chain that if it's shut off, you know, men will smell atrocious to you. But there's nothing you can do. No wonder some people are so averse to cilantro. And there's there's a chemical reason for that. Same thing with vanilla. Same thing with uh, lavender. There's a lot of these scents and chemical compounds. The human body just either processes or doesn't process. And if it does, then you're okay. If it doesn't, it could throw your entire life right off. That's kind of mystery. Wow. Hey, Kathy, you you have a caller with a question. All right. Hey, what can we do for you? Hey, how you doing? Uh, my name is Jason. I had a question for you. I was wondering, do you have any suggestions for uh, some gluten-free baked foods? Actually, um, there is a terrific blog called The Gluten-Free Girl, and um, she has tons of recipes. There are several gluten-free cookbooks. Rachel, do you know of any? Um, I don't know of any specifically, but I know that in terms of cupcakes, like 
all the time. I'm seeing a lot of people selling gluten-free cupcakes. There's another blog, Allergic Girl, um, Sloan Miller. She has advice about that. Um, and th- there's, I know there's more gluten-free cookbooks coming next year, too. Tons, tons. Everybody seems to be gluten-free these days. It's a big thing. And what are just some gluten-free, you know, rice? Is that one? No? No, uh, I'm totally Corn wrong. as well. Corn. Um, millet. Millet. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my grandfather had uh, celiac disease, so I have a whole bunch of pasta recipes that are essentially corn-based pasta mm-hmm. recipes. Um, but Forget I, the pasta. But, but I can't. I, I, I'm terrible at baking, so I have no recommendations for baking. Without, yeah, without baking, baking is tough because you generally think of wheat. But um, there's t- there's a lot of substitutes. Oats. Um, sorghum. Sorghum. Xanthan gum is useful in some regards because it, it holds uh, binding nature. But again, I don't know the, the principles of that kind of stuff. Right. I can give non. I can give. I can give teach, teach you how to make a sponge cake without any starches whatsoever using just gels. That uh-huh. would be helpful to the caller. Jason, are you still there? Okay, we're good. All right. So uh, I hope. Uh, Gluten-free troubles are fixed, or is gluten-free girlfriend? Isn't gluten-free more common in women? It, I'm not sure. I have several gluten-free family members, but it's mixed. Oh, it is. But, but okay. I might have heard that, but I'm I'm not sure. It seems to me that a lot of people become gluten-free later on in life, and they're generally women. Um, it is a big diet trend right now. I don't know whether or not it's dietary based for allergies or purposes. I'm like that. seeing it a lot. Like I have a Google news alert on. Like gluten free plus cupcakes and like every day. Gluten free cupcakes. Was that yeah, cra- that the is crazy woman quite... from The View did that. Um, oh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Yeah. Hasselbeck. yeah, she has a G she free she... diet yeah. or something. She's insane. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't watch The View, but I know no, she has. A, she's insane. I know though. she has a. Isn't she the super conservative one? Yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's the crazy she's one. Yeah. But the thing with that though is, I think whether or not you actually are need to be gluten-free the second you start you know viciously restricting your diet or watching what you're eating you immediately start to lose weight so whether it's gluten-free or if you're only gonna eat orange food or if you're gonna eat just things that are killed on wednesdays you block out a lot of things yeah Yeah. you start not even just blocking out but you start paying so much attention to it you're immediately gonna start restricting your calorie intake you're gonna start paying more attention to the food you put in your body and you're and eventually lose weight. You know what I mean? Like, so if I fashion myself a so-called aphrodisiac diet, then I will probably lose weight. <laughs> Oysters, all the better. And you might, and you might have more chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, you might have more sex as well. Yeah. So and that burns calories. It does. It burns calories. <laughs> there you go. You just. There you go. And I'll look way better too. Yeah. Yeah. A healthy glow. And then and you can tell perfect, people. You can say, "I'm on this the is my next food diet. challenge." Yeah. I, but you guys, I'm going to get, I have to get other people to help me out with this one too. Cause, uh, cause we're not good. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need like, a real, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I actually act, might need to look into this a bit more cause it sounds like a lot of things are actually, just untested. There's this book, the mm-hmm. orgasm diet and I've no. now forgotten like exactly what was get in that it. person no, on here. And, um, <laughs> it actually like, I forgot part of it was eating dark chocolate every day. And part of it was like the omega threes, I think. It was like about that, and it was like a part of it. I'm sure was psychological. Like you're noticing if you hmm. think you're on aphrodisiac diet, wow. you're noticing it. But I, I sort of tried it, not mm-hmm. exactly by the okay. Whatever. Did you try it for um, to write about it yeah. for some of your writings? Yeah. Cool. I mean, and so you really put yourself out there and really well, test it things wasn't. A lot, it was also right? like no? fairly healthy. It wasn't okay. like eat, you know, potato chips and then you're going to be turned on all the time. <laughs> I wonder if there was like the like fatty food diet, but like then also aphrodisiac, like the anti diet. If people would do that, I gotta check this out. Where'd you write about this book? 
Is um, it for no, I just like oh, okay. they wanted me to like blurb it or whatever. So I was like, oh, well, okay. I'll have That's to nice. try it. I, but I forget the details. But it was something about omega threes and mm-hmm. chocolate. I just remember dark chocolate. Yeah, which I actually really like dark chocolate. I totally. hadn't eaten that much of it before. It's totally different than milk chocolate. Absolutely, it's way better. It's more chocolatey. It's more chocolate by definition. Yes, <laughs> less cocoa butter. But I chocolate. think if you're used to milk chocolate, it's challenging at first. You know, it it's is. Like, yeah, it's, it's like bigger. It's just less right yeah it's like more adult that's how i think of it (laughs) less sweet i like that more adult so actually one one of the things i want to ask you rachel is uh, you know you write for various you also not only do you edit a lot of sex writing but you write write it yourself Mm -hmm. how do you feel about like putting yourself out there being public image and uh, do you get, like, a lot of, you know, crazy cre- crazies um, coming up to you? I don't get a lot, but, you know, one mm-hmm. goes <laughs> one goes a long way. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's also because I do public events. You know, right. In the flesh. I can't really control who comes to those. But, I mean, for the most part, like, I meet really cool people from all mm-hmm. over. So there's this woman whose piece I'm publishing in Best Sex Writing 2010 who's going to be her from Ireland in December and she's reading for me. So like for the most part, I meet really cool people for the most part. And that you and meet really cool people. Interesting. And it's like, that, maybe I have one thing in common with them that I know about at first. And then it mm-hmm. turns out I have other things. So like I went to Toronto and we did a cupcake meetup and this woman, Juanita Koo, who has this sweet things, Toronto, she made me little cupcakes with like, <laughs> that said sex on them. Oh, that's so fun. So it's like, you mean really interesting. Mix Is it, they really catered it to you. Yeah, that was and, very nice. And why is that? Why do you write about cupcakes and then sex? Like that's... Well, they're really separate. Like, I started mm-hmm. the cupcake blog kind of on a whim. I also started a comedy blog, which no longer exists. I was like, oh, I'll just start this blog, that blog, and cupcakes took off in a ridiculous way. But like, it's funny, because I think I was talking to somebody else about this, and we felt like there's something really cutesy, flirty, and sexy about cupcakes, and then we finally realize that we're both actually thinking of you in the back of our heads <laughs> and we're like there's some connection there between like what well, some you know sex and cupcakes and then a lot of well some people sometimes people are like why are all these sex people into cupcakes and i think it's because just a lot of people are into cupcakes but now mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a backlash like there's this article in vanity fair mm-hmm. this month that's like anti-cuteness and it's all about how like baby videos and animal videos and cupcakes are too cute and it's tried to be like linking cupcakes and sadism and I was like cuteness and sadism and I was like these people some people and I see it with cupcakes sometimes people Mm -hmm. are like ew you have a whole blog about cupcakes like what do you write about I was like well we write about cupcakes there's like 10,000 posts there's a lot to say you know, I mean, I've there is a lot of, to say. I've heard of backlash about cupcakes for like health reasons, for like there you is know, that kids' too. birthdays. I think Why some do we people always... just think it's too twee and like it's just I, too I, much. I kind of think sometimes it's they think it's too girlish. That's mm-hmm. my take on it. Yeah. Do you think it's too girlish, Michael? Know. Cupcakes. I love cupcakes. You I'm going to be honest. I think the biggest thing is that it's more of a fad. It was. It feels more like a fad than it does something in particular. And I think the United States have gone through a really big bit of that fad so to speak and like excitement about it and exuberance mm-hmm. about these so small compartmentalized you know pastries i guess you'd say i was just in london and it's just starting to become interesting over there they just got through a whole jello phase which <laughs> jello, you know, wow yeah um right so, so way you, behind because we hear like whoopie pies like all the time it's like macarons are the new cupcakes whoopie pies are the new cupcakes or cream puffs or this whatever is the new cupcakes. we don't i have not heard jello as the new cupcakes. J- jello is not going to make it here like it did in, <laughs> in the uk but what i'm saying Were is there that, like jello bars 
like jello no actually yeah. we, we have a set Jigglers? of friends no we have a set of friends uh they're called the jello mongers uh sam and harry they um they do phenomenal architectural jellies wow. but what when we were over there you just saw not that jello's coming this way but the cupcakes are going uh, that way so this whole resurgence okay. and in asia and in exactly Europe. the migration of All the over. cupcake trends you're gonna yeah. you might have to move to london next no. i might or at least go I, there and I, see how the Brits are I, I ha- making I've, them. I have tried some London cupcakes. I have the my dream flag like, on them. You know, someone funds our site and I get to go travel all over to all these bakeries. Because there's like cupcakes in Berlin, cupcakes in Malaysia, cupcakes in Hong Kong. Wow. Great. South Africa. So. Yeah. South Africa. We have yet to see. Check out the cupcakes, <laughs> take the cake blog, and Rachel's travels coming up on that next, hopefully. Also check out a razor, a shinyknife.com for more of what Michael's been up to and is going to do for the seven days, seven days of fishes, seven fishes of Christmas. Sorry. Anyway, you're, you're very close. More, <laughs> very I'm close. getting everything wrong. And um, the Noble Rots wine pairing dinner coming up on the 10th. And also who else is uh, going to be at the sex and food night on January that is 21st? January 21st. We have Emily Ferris of Casserole Crazy. There we go. And Yolanda Shoshana. The Luscious Life. And me. And Heather Whaley, Eat Your Feelings. All right. Uh, go to InTheFleshReadingSeries.com. Thanks so much, Rachel, for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. And uh, well, I actually will be away next week, but we'll be back the next week after that. I want to thank Jack Insley and all the folks here at Heritage Radio Network. I want to thank TechServe. And uh, this is Cheap Date. I'm Kathy Array. Thanks so much. <laughs>